Hey all, welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we are tackling a very difficult and topical issue, (laughs) which is dealing with the challenge of Christmas movies. Uh, Some we shun in order to avoid aggravating our childhood trauma. (laughs) Some we scorn for aesthetic reasons. And a few, a very few, we embrace for for occasionally twisted reasons of our own, or maybe wholesome. We'll get into it as we go. You know, I wanted to start with, you know, movies can't watch, won't watch. Um, You know, mostly for me, it's aesthetic. If I just can't get into, for whatever reason, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, like, for example, A Christmas Story is a huge holiday favorite. Mm. And I've just never been able to get into it. I I saw it. It's it's kind of got a a 50s corny plus rye thing going on that I don't know why. It's just never grabbed me. So, (laughs) So most of it's like that. Just like stuff I just, meh. But, you know, there's one that I've really gotten that I always used to watch, which is It's a Wonderful Life, you know, kind of a required mm-hmm. <laughs> holiday movie that has gotten almost to the Wizard of Oz level of of child movies seen since childhood that that are have been accumulating like emotional impact to the point <laughs> that I can't watch them. So I have not watched It's a Wonderful Life in, in a number of years. But ironically, I'm going to be on a podcast where they want me to talk about It's a Wonderful Life as a guest. Yes. It's called iHeart Radio Podcast. I don't know, but um, that's really yeah. big. I think that's a big deal. It I is. It's kind of it's kind of well known, and there yeah. it's going to be like many episodes of this. And I'm still waiting to find out what exactly my specific topics are. But at any rate, I'm actually going to really have to watch for the first time in. In a while, well, it's actually a wonderful film. I don't, I don't know. Oh, if you it's remember. great. Oh, oh, aesthetically, it's not, it's not that at all. I'm a huge admirer. I think it's yeah. a really fabulous film. It's, it's just, it's, it's in its way a very, very dark film. Extremely that so many people ignore. I don't know how they ignore it. Well, <laughs> I, I know. literally do not know. And I, I really became aware of this. I taught a class in color theory, and I showed a few versions of like colorized, which is mostly monstrous, just even aesthetically, but. <laughs> ways. Um, versions and of course one of the films that have been colorized was It's a Wonderful Life and if you colorize it which by the way many of the students preferred naturally oh. <laughs> and and we would study scenes and I'd say well what happens and they'd be like I just like it better it's so much livelier it's so much more interesting and I'm like are you mad I mean oh, there would be God. scenes where huge pools of blackness are like practically threatening to swallow George Bailey and yeah. if you take that away there's a scene where he's in a cab with his old friend Ernie, the cab driver, asking to be taken to his home. But of course, he's not alive anymore. If you remember, the angel removes his life. Yeah. And Ernie doesn't know him and thinks he's a raving lunatic. And he's in the whole back seat of the cab is just this engulfing, totalizing blackness. As he gets this more and more, he starts to really look like a crazy person under the sheer strain of what he's going through. And Jimmy Stewart was ready to play this because he just got back from the war. And- <laughs> served like beyond belief uh, he, he had his own he was in the i think it was the air force i'm pretty sure he was flying mm-hmm. anyway he was you know the commander of a whole squadron he was sending people to their deaths he was doing the whole thing he's, he has an amazing war record and he came home looking like he was insane that <laughs> he got started getting cast in really dark anthony mann westerns and hit alfred hitchcock movies and stuff yeah you know things that happened to his to him and his face but at any rate it's a movie, of course, about someone who never gets anything he wants. Everyone around him, in order for them to get what they want and need, he sacrifices himself to them. Mm-hmm. 
So he never he wants to lead a big, gorgeous, adventurous life. Well, guess who else did? I did. I guess most Americans do. But I really did. And as I got older and started to, you know, hit a midlife crisis, it started getting more and more painful of just like, this is just too close to the bone, <laughs> like of not getting what you expected and wanted for all sorts of reasons, for really good reasons. But um, it just it, it, it's almost too good at conveying the kind of suicidal urge that goes along with I'm now trapped in a life that I didn't want. There's no way out of it now. I'm too old to redo. Mm-hmm. And so it literally re- requires that an angel has to come down to to at least sort of soften the blow. Can't fix it, but can soften it, make him feel appreciated, make him feel he really did have a wonderful life in his in his drudgy kind of way. Mm-hmm. But it's super harsh. It's just super harsh. And it looks harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so gorgeous and moving and um yes. it my family always avoided it because they're afraid of emotions. Oh my um, god, so they're yeah. right. Yes, yeah. it's a super emotional workout but not in a sappy way. You know, everyone thinks of the end where he, all of his friends are there and they're all celebrating him and you cry that way. Mm-hmm. But it's really an emotional workout throughout. Completely. My my grandmother refused to watch it. Um my mother does to this day won't even watch like any Christmas film. Oh my any, god, like, not any. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Wow. <laughs> Which okay. will lead me to my picks um later in this episode. But <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. But it, it yeah, and especially oh my God, especially the films from the forties, there is something so I mean, obviously the war has had its impact. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and there's something so deeply nostalgic and longing for home mm-hmm. and innocence and wholeness that can never be yes. <laughs> that it's uh it's agony. <laughs> These films yes. are agonizingly heartbreaking and melancholy. <laughs> oh, I agree. And I will say, usually I like it. It's just, It's a Wonderful Life is too is too powerful. <laughs> I yep. mean, like, this is the reason I like, you know, usually they're immediately post where like Bishop's Wife. Bishop's yes. Wife is another one that has just tremendous darkness. Just gorgeous. Darkness. I love it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so usually that's exactly what the doctor orders. As far as I'm <laughs> if I'm going to have my cheer, I kind of have, have to have the darkness to go with it. Mm. But you can tip it over into unbearable. And I can see, yeah, 40s movies. That's it. That's it. Yeah, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. So uh, for me, the the one film I always faithfully do watch on Christmas, and mm. like this is pretty sad, but I, I'm going to share this with the world. Okay. I really hope my family doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Mom and Dad, I love you, and you did many great things for me. Um, but but um, I, came, I came from like two, my parents were divorced, and both households were pretty they weren't happy households mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. christmas was always fraught mm-hmm. and seldom straightforwardly joyful um so i would since i was a kid they used to run meet me in st louis on tv but it was mm-hmm. one of the first vhs i ever owned because i was obsessed with it so my parents bought it for me in a little clam shell vhs case mm-hmm. <laughs> remember those things back yes. in the day <laughs> and i would either watch it on tv by myself um every Christmas um, or when everyone was asleep, I would go downstairs, slip in the VHS <laughs> and watch it by myself. <laughs> wait, wait, so say the title again. I think uh, I'm it's, like, Oh, it's meet me in St. Louis. Meet, oh, it's meet me in St. Louis. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. So to this day, faithfully, every Christmas, now I like to be by myself because it's a tradition that I've mm-hmm. established. But if you've never seen Meet Me in St. Louis, it's about a very 
um, loving family in St. Louis mm-hmm. at the turn of the century. But it like like the other movies, mm-hmm. it's not strictly a Christmas film, but uh, the last fourth or so takes place around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the main conflict is that the Smith family is about to move to New York and they don't want to move to New York or most of them don't. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a lot of things. But the portrait of this family, if... Uh, it, a, a surface level reading would be that it is one of these saccharine, sweet, idealized films about a past that never was. And it's certainly idealized and it's certainly about a past that never was. But there is a strong undercurrent of like disturbingly strong emotions in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, the hallmark of Vincent Minnelli. Every Vincent, Vincent Minnelli, Minnelli film has damn. an undertow that will practically drag you down. And it doesn't matter if he's doing a supposedly jolly musical or something. Exactly. What I love it, about him. Oh yes, and your your heart will break. It's just mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's the choreography of the camera and the tone of the MGM orchestra, mm-hmm. <laughs> and of, of course Judy Garland and her heartbreaking voice. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I always want me watch Meet Me in St. Louis alone at Christmas because yeah. I love the Smith family and they seem to love each other. But it also what like Judy Garland sings, "Have yourself a merry little oh, Christmas." Yeah. Her, sings it to her little sister who has a full-on emotional breakdown on christmas eve about not wanting to move to new york and her little sister goes out into the snow and very convincingly throws this huge temper tantrum Mm -hmm. and takes a giant stick to the snow people that she's built just obliterating all of her you know childhood work (laughs) and they're they're arranged as a family they've been identified as they stand in for the family (laughs) so she's attacking kind of rage and grief the 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 representations of her own family and it's margaret o'brien who was legendary for her ability to turn on this kind of emotional tap precisely frightened people <laughs> it, i i believe the story goes it's because vincent minnelli in an effort to get her to turn in a good performance mm. told her that her dog had died oh, yeah that's the legend <laughs> that they used to tell the kids yeah. i think they did mickey rooney said they used to tell kids that jesus christ oh, <laughs> <So> evil <laughs> It's so evil. Or maybe maybe another version I've heard is that he told her to imagine that her dog had died because yeah. um, he was a very kind man. So I would like to think yeah. he spared her he that direct that. emotional trauma. <laughs> but there's no way to laugh it off. Like, I don't I, to me, there's no comic reading of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like pretty disturbing. And mm-hmm. it's very beautifully shot that it's a still snowy night and there's warm light being thrown onto the scene from the windows inside Mm -hmm. and judy garland goes out in her beautiful red ball gown she's just come from the christmas eve ball and sort of like swaddles her little sister and uh, convincingly yet unconvincingly tells her everything will be all right because they're going to be together Mm -hmm. and i don't know how judy does it but you're like oh god it's not going to be okay no it's totally (laughs) not going to be okay she has to try to say it's going to be okay yes that's exactly right it's yes it's because uh, hers heart's breaking too she's just basically had her her long her boyfriend that she adores the boy next door propose and they're trying to figure out what their future will be with her in new york and him there and it's and the whole implication is it's not going to work out you know yeah it's probably not going to work out so everything is not going to work out because they're moving it's, it's fabulously emotional and it's interesting that it's really climbing on the list of of, of films people watch at christmas I don't remember that from my childhood at all. This is this seems like a kind of recent phenomena. 
Maybe. I, I mean, so I was a child in the 80s and the 90s, and they used to run it was out already on TV. There. Yeah. It was already there. Okay. Yeah. So it's you, my childhood. I'm older. <laughs> you know, then it wasn't, even though it's a perfect Christmas movie. I mean, it takes in several holiday-ish, you know, it's seasonal. The, yes. The therefore, day. yes, the four seasons are Yeah, <laughs> it's building toward the, the climactic Christmas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a great one to watch. That's a perfect one to watch. I watch that one as well. Every, that one I can watch every year. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's interesting to look at the lists. Uh, more and more, of course, recent films go on the list. I mean, if you look at the old classics, it tends to be, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, but also White Christmas, which I wrote about, The, Bis uh, the Bishop's Wife, Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. um, they often list on, the, on these lists A Christmas Carol from 1938, which is an appalling version. I am convinced nobody who's compiling these lists has actually watched the 1938 American. <laughs> it is one of the worst, stiffest, most awful and incompetent things ever done. You, you, what you want is the 1951 British version starring Alistair Sim. And we want to talk dark. Didn't get any darker than that. And oh, yeah. it honors the, the Dickens version. Dickens always did the, it's got to be as dark as dark can be for the light to give you the, the kind of, you know, the thrill of relief. <laughs> it's, um, it's called Scrooge, right? The 1951. Scrooge, but you'll sometimes see it listed as a Christmas Carol too. But yeah, when you look at okay. the title card, it does say Scrooge. Um, okay. So, but it's, yeah, definitely 1951 British and Alistair Sim. You know, some others have made it onto the list, like Holiday Inn and Christmas in Connecticut. I can't say I, I get much off of either of those films, but they're nah. big faves now. They're big nas for me. Yeah. Um, and of course, this required, you know, uh, viewing the uh, shows that appeared on TV in, a, in the genius 1960s when they really knew how to do holiday entertainment right. <laughs> Two absolute masterpieces, of Chris, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is just charming in its period kind of way. Yeah, um, there's weird. It's weird. The eras or the timelines, because sometimes there'll be a year when just everything comes out. 2003 was a huge year for Christmas content, for example. I don't know why I was looking up years. Yeah, it's a weird thing. But then yeah. recently, there's a lot of new must sees a Christmas story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I absolutely adore. It's one of my favorites. I watch every year. Mm. A lot of people love Elf. Yeah, Elf's fine. Has some funny things. I can't watch it every year. Home Alone, Nightmare Before Christmas is very, very gorgeous to look at. Uh, you know, yeah. there's, there's lots of others. Yeah, I. The, um, so this, speaking of the 1960s, mm. um, so uh, this is kind of, I, I, it's kind of a long story, but one night, um, my friend Jeff and I had some wine, and we tried to watch every version of Old Man River. Eileen, you know this, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> so we the Old Man we, River we, challenge. Yeah. We and Jeff is a you know I'm like a film studies person and Jeff is an acting uh, he's a voice coach for actors uh, mm. he used to work at ACT now he works at UCLA mm -hmm. and so he's got a lot to say about performance right uh -huh. and so we set out to watch all these old men rivers sung by all kinds of people um, black singers white singers mm -hmm. and we were trying to gauge like you know which was the most racist and why <laughs> um, or which was the most you know like kind of meaningful and respectful and why and so anyway the one the person the performer who won the most racist old man river challenge was dean martin oh, by far. <laughs> oh my god I definitely cannot cannot recommend the dean martin old man river but this led us jeff came back for christmas mm -hmm. and we're like you know we wanted to watch the most garish christmas special we could mm -hmm. think of and we're like we're gonna hit up dean martin we know we can <laughs> count on him <laughs> so yeah. You can YouTube it. The Dean Martin Christmas special aired on NBC in 1967. Uh, highly recommend Sinatra makes an appearance as do their families. 
Um, it's a it's a delight. <laughs> it's a it's a disgusting chintzy delight. Yeah. So if you're looking for something like lighter um, and cheesy that has very little to do with Christmas itself, that's mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you ever gotten interested in the, in the attempts to kind of, you know, parody those? Is like that a possible? Very, a very Murray Christmas does and Stephen Colbert did a kind of version of it. They all No, Colbert that. has one? I would totally see one. that in a second. Yeah, oh. You might like that one. I mean, I think A Very Merry Christmas is a collaboration with Sofia Coppola. I watched it and did not care for it at all. Oh, I, I hated it, that. That I, was like so somber. <laughs> oh, exactly. I didn't think it worked at all. I was just like, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what you're doing here. But it's much, it's admired in certain circles. So. Oh, God. They did that at the bar where Fran Leibowitz hangs out, right? I think. Like oh, is that right? Manhattan bar with a beautiful, yeah. Oh, um, okay. okay yeah. That's too knowing for me. That's just too knowing. I just, yeah. I'm not into it. It's too hipster. I can't. Yeah, it seemed way too hipster to me too. Kind of dragged yeah. everything down. Yeah. But now yeah. that I know, okay, it's called the Col- a Colbert Christmas. Yeah, I forget what the it's called exactly. Gift of all. What? I will 100 oh, yeah. percent watch that. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. I watched Colbert. it and I just can't remember. But I think it was better. It was closer. I think than the than the Murray thing. Okay. Um, okay. You know, there's also a, the the phenomena of watching Hallmark movie Christmas movies. You know, which Ugh, yeah. some people do ironically, some people just do. It's a big thing. My friend watches it. She's like, "You got to come over. We'll do it. We'll do it." And I just we never have for whatever Look. reason. We just, it doesn't happen. <laughs> but I don't think I can do it, I, or at least it has to be background while I do talk to people and do other things. But I, you have yeah. to have at least three drinks, and, and I have to be then- drunk. Yeah, yeah, it's not that fun. The only thing that makes it is if you can find some has been um, in which is like, you know, high probability. Yeah, um, yeah. This is the problem. Hallmark is so Christian that it's like I, they've got all of these all of these people who look like what's her name? Cameron from Full House. Something mm. Cameron. Um, they all look like former cast members of Full House who oh, are now yeah. 40. And like that, I mean, I, that has its camp appeal, I yeah. suppose, but that's not my jam. Like, right. I prefer like an overly ripe diva who's kind of sloppy and you don't see that in Hallmark because it's right. too like waspy, you know? <laughs> but sometimes there's magic. There is one <laughs> where Lorraine, you could tell Hallmark is trying to go for like diversity. And I think it came out like two years ago. Mm. I watched it because Lorraine Bracco plays the mom. You oh, know God. how I feel about Lorraine. Yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> okay. So Lorraine's the mom and the dad is this Afro-Cuban guy and the daughter is like she presents as black, but she works at Lorraine Bracco's family's, like her mom's family's uh, Italian deli. <laughs> and it's all like this weird, it's like where mm-hmm. it's a, it's a diverse, you know, yeah. a collision of cultures, you know. <laughs> um, and the girl, it's called Snow Globe. And the girl gets caught in a snow globe, literally. Like somehow she finds out a way to get in the snow globe, falls in love and says, <laughs> and then at one point can't get out um and i gotta say that one was pretty amusing (laughs) because it becomes like nightmarish you know yes okay that's i didn't realize it went into these kind of you know surreal it got pretty surreal there it's usually not that surreal you know but this one was this one had some potential and then (laughs) one that i'm saving up for this christmas that i have not Mm. yet seen Mm. um as a way to honor my Gene Smart obsession, mm. I will watch A Shoe Addict's Christmas, which, <laughs> which is a Hallmark movie that co-stars Gene Smart. The only review I've seen is an Amazon review that just says, Gene Smart, we've got to get you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 
I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, yes. You, 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 you will have seen everything she's ever done. You will be. I'm working on it. We're getting really there. Are. You're getting that's there. another episode. <laughs> that is great. Actually, that's an upcoming episode. We're going to review Babylon, which is oh, out right. December 23rd. That is our next. Yes. Our next yeah. thing we, we, we deal with is Babylon, which looks terrible, frankly. But, you know. Oh, it looks horrendous. It, it's it going to really, be bad. It's going to be yeah. bad. But it's, yeah. it's going to be worth it, I think. And it, I and, think so. It, the cheese factor. Yeah. Um, you know, we should know there's, you know, there's lots of, I think, in fact, I think Evgenia and I once did an alternative Christmas episode. I, at least I have a memory of talking about alternative Christmas movies, you know, and the <laughs> obvious ones, you know, Die Hard became enshrined long ago. Yeah. Bad Santa in the, yeah. in the year 2003. Oh, Black Christmas from 74. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. You know, mm -hmm. there's lots of them. There's one playing right now, an attempt at one, Violent Night. Um, with yeah. David Harbour as a bad Santa or a disillusioned Santa who's taken to drink and I wish I could say it worked. It does not at all. It's just an, just an absolute mess. And saccharin beyond all human belief. You think you're escaping oh. the whole Har Hallmark curse and you're not. You're not. There's all this. It leads off. It's funny. He's he's drunk at a bar. He's saying all the sarcastic thing. You know, it starts off simply, which it should. And yeah. and then it gets into him saving a family. And there's a little girl who wants you, who has to keep saying, I believe in you, Santa. And oh. it just gets sickening to the point that you're like, what? And it, there's no wit and the badly staged action. I was just so disappointed. I was really mm. in the mood and it just did not come through for me. God. Heartbreaking. It that's, really was. That's too bad. <laughs> really, I, was, I was just in the mood. I had just, just been doing all my shopping and was really feeling fed up. And. <laughs> but it so worked for me so th there's an honorable tradition in sort of countering some of the the streams of the season you know the tidal wave of gush of nonsense that you get absolutely um, but that wasn't that does that doesn't qualify okay. um so we'll get into other alternatives i know you have a very alternative set of choices um Doris, to, to delight us with um i think we'll save you let me let me just tell you my chosen favorites that are a little a little alternative anyway if you're really bored with the usual, I think I've already talked up at length Bell, Book, and Candle. I think I wrote an essay about it a while back. It's set at Christmas. It's you know, basically a witch's Christmas. So there's a family of witches, a brother, a sister, played by Kim Novak and Jack Lemmon, and um, their aunt, um, played by Elsa Lanchester. And they're, yeah, they're, they go through the season in their own way, going to their the dive nightclub, the Zodiac Club, and everything else. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely delightful. And um, Kim Novak is the one who has a longing to to sort of experience human Christmas, which gets her into a lot of trouble. because She winds up falling in love with a mortal and all sorts of things happen. Mm -hmm. But she's so gorgeous in, in her in her black and leopard print and magenta <laughs> her deep red outfits. And um, and she represents such a, a marvelous contrast. And she's also like that demonstrates how wonderful at least the image of modern life once was. It was really going to be great. <laughs> and so I would always watch it as a kid, just going, that's going to be me. I'm going to be in that club. I'm going to wear outfits like that. Hell it's yeah. going to be just like that. And of course, no, <laughs> nothing nothing was left of it by the time I Surely arrived. there are some nights where you've achieved something close to well, that level Well, I'd get as close as I could, but it was very hard because, you know, the whole, the, the whole thing was you could just plunge into it. It was just there. It was there for the taking. It mm. so thrilling. So, but anyway, I watched that one a lot. The apartment. Some of these are now making lists all the time. The apartment. Um, Billy Wilder's The Apartment is very good. It's melancholy. It's very dark. It's about two people, you know, entrapped in the you know the cold corporate um, world of of every kind of you know 
economic and sexual exploitation who are trying to find their way toward a human relationship. Very well done. Thin mm-hmm. Man, of course, is always delightful from 1934. Nick and Nora Charles with their dog Asta drinking their way through the holidays and enjoying themselves more than anyone while they incidentally also solve you know, <laughs> solve a mystery. Um, but you really, again, it's a lifestyle movie. Um, you want to go go to that for an image of what romance could be, romance and marriage could be, that was really being posited by the screwball comedy. And this is one of the kickoff films that inspired this, and it happened one night in 20th century, all in 1934, really kick off that genre. Mm-hmm. And really are a challenge to the old Victorian notions of you, marriage is nest building for children. You know, screwball comedy couple never, they never have children. They have a dog. They have anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about just delight, being happy, enjoying each other, being witty together, play, mm-hmm. doing role play, doing, it's, it's just, it makes, it makes love and marriage look as good as it's going to get, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, one our fr- our friend Emily, hi Emily, reminded me of which I'd forgotten is Val Luton's Curse of the Cat People, which sounds <laughs> far from a Christmas movie <laughs> as you can get, but it is. It's set at Christmas, and you know, Holy keep shit. in mind, yeah, Val Luton, who was a producer of the 1940s, he was given yeah. these titles to make his B movie, so he was stuck with Curse of the Cat People as a sequel to his famous movie Cat People, and and instead he made a sensitive study. <laughs> <laughs> of a child, an imaginative, lonely child who's misunderstood by her stupid parents. And it's so well done that child psychologists prized this movie and said this is one of the few movies that have ever come out of Hollywood that actually seem to understand children. Oh. <laughs> and it makes sense because, you know, Val Luton, at least in part, based the, the character of the little girl on himself. He He was a wildly imaginative kid. He got into some of the troubles that he gives to her in the movie. And her parents are just unimaginative dunderheads and can't understand her. But she loves the ghost of the Catwoman. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) The ghost of the Catwoman is now Christmassy and has a sparkly gown. No, this makes every kind of sense. I need to see it immediately. Oh, yeah. Emotionally, it makes all the sense. But when you describe it, it just sounds like, what? And and the the girl is like her daughter, like the daughter of the Catwoman, but she's not her daughter. That was right. the first wife of the father who died before, you know, he remarried and she's the daughter of the of the idiot. Um, wow. But at any rate, it's all set at Christmas. And, you know, the, the Arena, the Catwoman sings Elaine Le Petit Hopeful <laughs> out in the snow <laughs> waiting for her little friend. And it's just it's just really marvelous. And again, so dark. So Valut and Dark. He was making mm. all his movies during the war and never mentioned the war. But the <laughs> war imbued all of mm. his movies with an intense kind of underlying grief and melancholy throughout. So mm-hmm. it's a gorgeous, gorgeous film and wonderful snow scenes and totally worth watching. Okay, so, I'm queuing that right up. Oh yeah, you should definitely <laughs> watch it. So well done. And if you yourself felt like you were that kid in any way, this is the movie for you. I totally felt like I was that kid. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and others that are shop around the corner is an Ernst Lubitsch masterpiece. It's still very funny. It's still very touching. In fact, everything in it works. It's about two people working in a shop in Budapest, and it's just the shop workers at this little, you know, leather goods shop in Budapest. And you know that that leads up. It's very seasonal. Almost all of it is heading up into the Christmas season, and and then at Christmas and New Year. Um, and it's about two of these people who hate each other in the shop, but are actually writing each other, um, dear, so-called dear friend letters. They're, they're, they're exchanging letters behind the scenes with someone they don't know, each of them, but it's each other. 
Um, and it's going to take them the whole movie to figure out that they are their own pen pals and they don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's one of the things I admire so much about it. It's one of the one of the few films ever that is so respectful of what it means just to be a shop, a person working in a shop. It takes it takes the details of their lives so seriously that even though, of course, it's not like it's not like a pro labor film or a union film, but it's to me anyway, it's a great film for leftists to see because just giving the respect to people's lives of like, hmm. no, this is their lives. They're shop workers and this is the kind of challenges they have. It's, just, it's so much of it is set in the shop and there's mm-hmm. just masterful camera work as usual by Lubitsch to have you experienced that is a very ritual experience. You will hardly be aware you're almost entirely in one set with back offices and stuff because you're just constantly moving into the sock room into the offices and back out in front of the shop um he just does such a brilliant job that you'll hardly be aware that you almost never leave the shop um but just by taking that kind of time and that kind of observational detail and lubich understood that world he was he was the son of a tailor and his parents had a tailor a tailoring shop and he worked in that shop so he knew all about the kind of bourgeois shopkeeper life so he could bring all of his knowledge and sensitivity to this is what your life is like when you've been practically like the jimmy stewart character has you know was started there as an apprentice as a kid and has been there all the way up through adulthood and his dearest wish is to become the manager of the shop so this is the kind of circumscribed life but it's treated very respectfully like that's fine that's a fine Mm -hmm. life (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and that's i take this life seriously so that is rare it's weirdly rare so um highly recommend it it's just and it's just a great film in every way and the christmasy stuff is wonderful there's Um, also the musical based on shop around the corner in the good old summertime with van johnson and judy garland which is pretty delightful Mm -hmm. and that also often airs around christmas so check tcm (laughs) lots of options yes they used to really do quite a lot of Christmas movies, obviously, because they wanted something every year. And a remarkable number of them really hold up. So it's worth investigating some past movies, really, when you get into this. For sure. Um, well, let's delve into yours. Unless I, you want me to go on and on. I think I've gone well, on Well, no. So on. for me, um, so as I said earlier, my family does not have a tradition of watch. Well, at least my mom um, mm-hmm. doesn't have a tradition of watching Christmas films because they're too sad. Mm-hmm. And um, things... <clears throat> at least in our family, got even a little sadder because um, our family has passed away now, except for me and my mom on mm-hmm. that side. So my mom always wants to watch um, uh, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> we watch this every Christmas. There's a connection um, because it reminds her of her family. <laughs> uh, lowercase f and I guess uppercase f. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, my mother is Mm -hmm. (laughs) Italian-American. And yeah, I think it reminds her of good times. And Mm -hmm. there is something about the film. Some of it does take place over Christmas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we've we've watched so much Scorsese over the years that I like these people do feel like my home. And Mm -hmm. the fact that every time so Mrs. Scorsese makes a, a cameo in the film, Martin Scorsese's mom. Mm-hmm. plays joe pesci's mom mm-hmm. and she's in a couple scenes but one, one of the most memorable scenes is when the guys come home from burying a body 
Mm-hmm. And they're covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And she, she like so many women in this life, she knows exactly what's going on, but you never say it out loud. Mm-hmm. So the, the guys come home and she's like, what do you, what do you do? And what'd you get into? And he's like, ah, oh, it's nothing, ma, it's nothing. We, you know, we hit a deer and he's got a huge butcher knife <laughs> dripping with blood. On it. He's like, yeah, we had to, we had to cut the thing off. And, <laughs> you know, then she's like, what are you hungry? You, you know, it's like three in the morning and she feeds them. Um, and Mrs. Scorsese, alone gives me a sense of comfort and abundance and joy (laughs) but she's excellent she's like ad-libbing yeah she's great yeah she's She's great she's in she's in several of his films yeah and um, personality that is entirely unforced it's really remarkable totally totally Mm -hmm. an absolute doll Mm -hmm. and also goodfellas has a legendary scene Mm -hmm. where our protagonist, played by Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. um, is <laughs> he's having a bad day. Uh, <laughs> Ray Liotta plays Henry Hill, and he is working for a lot of people. He's dealing drugs, but he's also doing it under the nose of Paul Sorvino, who is the mafia boss that he works for. And he's got a lot to juggle. Mm-hmm. And his <laughs> there's this one legendary day, and there's this sequence um, set to Layla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, set to Cream's a version of Layla, which is the only version. And, um, <laughs> and he's he's paranoid. He wakes up. He's got a lot to do. And his day feels like what it's like to live during the holidays to me. Mm-hmm. So he gets up and he's he wakes up, I think, in his mistress's apartment, but who who's a big cokehead Mm -hmm. and he's got to deliver some cocaine and unload some firearms Mm -hmm. later in the day but he's also got to pick up his little brother at the hospital and most importantly make the sunday gravy (laughs) (laughs) which he's got to start early (laughs) so he he gets up to get his little brother he brings his little brother home he's chopping the onions the garlic you gotta you know the gravy's got to cook for hours Mm -hmm. so he's got to start it at like 11 Mm a.m and then he's going to uh unload the firearms and he a chopper is following him he's pretty sure mm-hmm. and he picks up his wife who's going to help him do the deal and she doesn't know whether or not to you know how firmly to believe in the chopper or whatever but mm-hmm. she starts to think like yeah i guess we are being followed mm-hmm. she's a cokehead too and this whole day spirals you know completely out of control but it's that mile a minute your heart is racing you have an unmanageable inhuman number of things to do and your life is at And to me, that is Christmas. (laughs) Like there's no way I, especially if you're an academic, we always have finals. Like, you know, so brutal. 10 fucking days before Christmas. And then you've got like five days to do all your grading. Yeah, yeah, it's a total marathon. Right after and Christmas Eve, every year. That's always the deadline. It's always Christmas Exactly. Eve. So, like, when do you do your Christmas shopping? Never. <laughs> or any get-together, any holiday get-togethers, like, maybe, maybe other people do. I don't know. Because <laughs> we never, You there's no time. There is no time. It's insane. Crazy. And it gets worse every year. Every Shout year. out to University of California. Oh, you know, like yeah. my class sizes have like doubled since mm-hmm. I started teaching. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, so anyway, that's what it feels like. And like my mom's always coming to visit and, you know, you got to clean and you got to have this shit ready before she gets here. Mm-hmm. Do the grocery shopping, clean the entire house. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. it's like that. Yes. 
And then you have to, you've got this family here and you've got to spend every waking minute with them to entertain them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you steal like two hours at night to sneak in some more grading probably. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what it feels. It's it's like this sleep deprived, cracked out, um, incredibly stressful mess. Mm -hmm. And that, while you're being, it's... you know, people are exhorting you to, to you got to enjoy it. You, it's the holiday. Exactly. Just, like, it's the Come worst because it's just one additional layer of pressure that you can't meet. There's no way to enjoy it. God. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Which leads you to these situations like the famous Joe, <laughs> Joe Pesci. <laughs> the guys hang out at this Copacabana nightclub. <laughs> and let me just say. I I totally know the vibe. Uh, so the Copacabana nightclub in the movie is Polynesian themed. Um, I'm not, I mean I I didn't grow up with a place like that, but I grew up with a place like that. Uh, it was called Greco's. Uh, it used to be on 95th Street, down by Midway Airport in Chicago. Shout out to anyone who knows. Um, Artie Greco knew my grandfather, mm-hmm. and. You would go to Greco's and, oh, man, I mean, definitely a lot of the, you know, you would definitely get some characters eaten there. Um, But it just it had this very like, you know, homey vibe. And, you know, people would like bring you big plates of whatever. Um, And most importantly, when I was really young, they had this jukebox and they would let me sing to Over the Rainbow. (laughs) And I would like sit on the little stage and my grandma, this is like spiraling, but that's okay. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, (laughs) Like, so like Italians fucking love, obviously like Frank Sinatra, Mm. but also like they also love Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. And I had a, used to have a rabidly racist great grandmother, Ange, um, who thought everyone was Jewish. She was paranoid, Mm -hmm. anti-Semite, including my father, Christopher McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was a Jew to Ange, and that was a bad thing. Um, it, I don't know where that came from. Um, I don't know if it came from the old country or from this one. But anyway, um, there were two performers who were not Jews, and they were Frank Sinatra and Judy Collins. Oh my God! <laughs> and this is, I don't know where this logic came from. It's insane. And I, I apologize for, for Ange. Um, but anyway, the point is that Judy Garland was okay. And so. <laughs> I remember my grandmother, her daughter, um, Mm -hmm. went to see Judy in New York at the palace in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother did tell this story that I think is historically accurate, where Judy would sit on the edge of the stage and sing until like two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And this made a big impression on me as a kid. So I they had a little stage at Greco's and I would like sit on the edge of the stage and dangle my feet just like Judy (laughs) and, and like sing along to Over the Rainbow. Anyway, um, Greco's looks, the Copacabana nightclub looks like Greco's. And um, I love the vibe. I love the atmosphere. But back back to the original Mm. point of this detour was that it is the feeling of being under such pressure Mm. and your family telling you to have a good time. And these mafia guys have to get together and they have to perform at these social gatherings. (laughs) And if you perform wrong, you know, your life is at stake. Uh Um, So uh, Ray Liotta is uh, needs to sort of like show respect to Joe Pesci, who's higher up in the pecking order than he is. And Joe Pesci's telling a story and Ray Liotta is laughing in a way that Joe Pesci finds ostentatious, like too much. So then there's the famous Joe Pesci mm-hmm. speech, which is mostly ad libbed. Uh, you think I'm a you think I'm funny? Uh-huh. Funny how? Funny like a clown? Like I amuse you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he starts to get riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, this spirals. He ends up like point punching out the Mater D. <laughs> um, it, it's a whole fucking mess. And I actually read. 
Scorsese is like famous for letting his actors ad lib mm-hmm. and he might not put the actual like improv session on camera, but mm-hmm. he'll incorporate what they've ad libbed into the script. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, you think I'm funny? Funny how? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that came from a real experience that Joe Pesci had in real Ooh. life. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, it was something that a gangster once said to him when he was a waiter in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. P.S. Joe Pesci used to be a singer in New Jersey, in New Jersey as well. Did you know? Oh, I did uh, not. Wow. Yeah. Like a lounge singer. Oh Amazing. <laughs> Would pay $100, $100 million to see that, to sing that. But yeah, that, so it happened to Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci was in the the place of Ray Liotta mm. laughing too loudly at a gangster who got in his face and like threatened him. Uh, you know, uh, what yeah. am I, a clown? Oh. <laughs> I'm here from your amusement. Wow. Um, it yeah. so good. Wow. Yeah. And that, fe- that just feels like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> you have a good time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's become so weighted that I just don't know how we go on staggering through it. I literally, it, it, years ago, it broke me. <laughs> I'm at the point where I can't do traditional Christmas anymore. Seriously, I can't do it. <sighs> I think I'm just like, no, I'll do any alternative. I'll go out to see things. I can do things on Christmas Eve with family. I cannot do the traditional family Christmas Day thing. Can't do it. I I honor you. I I think it might have something to do with like if you have parents or kids. Yeah, there's like that. You know, I do it for my mother. Well, you know, you have to as long as my parents were alive. Oh, I absolutely had to. It just, yes, once that was done, I'm like, I'm I'm out. (laughs) Totally. It's got to be somehow at least slightly alternative. It's got to be. Yeah. So, but I look at other people and they do even more for Christmas. I mean, they're (gasps) even more into it. And I'm like, how do you take the weight of this? I cannot (laughs) even imagine. Like people who go away for like a whole holiday to like colorado and box themselves in for like seven days with their family like and there's no escape like you're you just you're in that fucking airbnb i i would lose my mind i'm i'm positive i mean that is national (laughs) lampoon's christmas vacation that's like it was shot in colorado i mean that's practically exactly what it is and it's both sets of parents come and it's just like extended family it's just all in one house we're all staying in one house and it's just like every possible nightmare scenario because that's what it is. I don't know how people people have amazing fortitude. You work so hard. It's one of your major vacation times where you, if you're ever going to get time off, you're going to get it at Christmas. And this is how you have to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like agony. And it costs a fortune. You know, no, you, you know, try to keep like- it. It's going to cost you a fortune anyway. Just everything yep. about it is so overwhelming. But yeah, it's 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 an extraordinary American experience. I have to assume it can't be this bad you're all over <laughs> in other countries. I would hope not. With, I hope not at any rate. Wow. I mean, what's that lovely tradition that you do at, at uh, your friend Sue and Paul's house oh, with the books? Oh, the best, the best day. The best day is, you know, we're big readers, all of us. So we all tend to get books in some form or another. And then and the day after Christmas is called reading day. And the rule is you do nothing on reading day. All you do is lay around everybody and you eat leftover great food and you drink a lot of drinks and you all read your books. You Mm. all read your Chris all day. All day. It sounds really nice. It's just like, oh, reading day is sacred. (laughs) (laughs) Because now I have to go over for reading day. It's like Christmas, man. Don't worry. I'll I'll figure out something. But I'll be there for reading day. (laughs) Yep. Because you realize that's what you never get. We just don't, exactly. there's no such thing as like, no, this is like, we just hang around quietly and enjoy ourselves, but you're just all reading together. No, oh, it's so, so not, I know, I know. 
that I would say the nicest tradition that Lauren and I ever had was mm-hmm. it was during COVID. So we didn't have family with us. Um, I love you, family. And please don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but I feel so guilty saying this out loud. Um, but the nicest thing we did was like we took a big, long walk and look at, at Christmas lights. And then that we had like a hot toddy long. out by a fire in the backyard. And that's it. No, and that was like, more than enough. <laughs> yes. See, those are the kinds of things you always think you're going to do eventually when you're working like a, a mad person. Someday you'll go and do those things. But the yeah. problem is you're so overwhelmed. Even, you know, it's I, it'll never be as hard as it was when I when I was teaching. That was the worst. And I vowed I would never have holidays like that again. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. <sighs> And now it's even worse for you. You're essentially doing the same job as I was. And it's worse yeah. than it was, which is astronomically bad. Um, but it's it's like you don't even think of it. It's like, it's like I got to remember to do things like that. That's exactly. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. Right. I know. God damn. If we could all just slow down and not have this like giant festival of consumerism. Yes. like That would be super cool. And just massive <laughs> distraction. There's so many plates that have to keep spinning all the time, all the time, all the time that you don't even think. You know, I could take a lovely quiet walk. I know. <laughs> drink a hot toddy kind of thing. Yeah. It just doesn't even cross your mind. Oh, God. <laughs> no. We're doing it wrong. We're doing we things are. wrong. We're doing yeah. everything wrong. It's just, yeah. 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 Anyway, well, let me ask my question out of curiosity. So it really seems fascinating, the more I think about this, that on your, your mother's side is the Italian side of the family. You're, you're, yeah. But on your father's side, there's the Irish side. Yeah. So it seems so amazing that there's nothing on the Irish because you know that's it's not it's not emotional the way the Italian side is is no. known to be. But there's all the buried emotion and there's all that sentimental. There's a kind of sentimental side to that cultural tradition. I'm mm. you know I'm part Irish myself, so I can speak. Very yes. dark though, and a lot more what removed, reserved, cold than a lot of people perhaps realize who aren't actually. Irish, but very much so. Very yeah. But there's it, no secret favorite that everyone can sort of like. No, not that I, I have to say the traditions that belong to my dad mm. um, come from my stepmom. And we we watched the Grinch that stole Christmas. And okay. that's, you know, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, no, my the, the tradition on my father's side is that he gets really mad. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. There's a big fight, and we all tiptoe around and hope it blows over. My father, who is very Irish, you know, in his temperament, you know, if you take that kind of black, <laughs> black is forming nice. over the head kind of quality. Yeah, and the same thing. He'd always, he'd always. I think just the, the sheer angst of the holiday would affect him, and he inevitably he'd be in just a storm cloud mood with oh yeah everyone tiptoeing around. Same thing. It's making me actively nauseous. Oh, I, know, I, I can feel my shoulders hunching up to yeah. my beard as we're talking. Oh my god! Mm, family yeah. trauma. Yeah. Memories this season for a concentrated linger. dose. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's been cathartic though to talk about it, <laughs> girl. Well, how about you all? In your as you weathered the storm cloud, did the family gather around a beloved cinematic treasure? <laughs> you know, my older oldest brothers and sisters who are older than me, it was it was a six kid spread, so it's a ten year spread. They were real fifties kids, so they watched all the fifties prescribed stuff. Um, yeah, you know, the White Christmas and the you know just everything that came out in fifties, early sixties was their thing, and so I was just brought up in their tradition. So a yeah. lot of the stuff I watch, they still, well, we all watch it. In fact, I've been doing, I've actually been doing, hosting a Christmas uh, movie watching night at my home, which so- sounds so not like me. 
<laughs> yeah. my family um so we can just gather and watch these damn things or at least have them playing while we talk or whatever um so yeah it's all the it's all the usual suspects you know all the bishop's wives and the white christmases and all and all that jazz um yeah. so it's not like there's a i think that's partly it. It, it it it's so it's a really rigid group of films one sister suggested we watch elf and i felt my jaw drop because i was just like we don't watch elf in this film <laughs> We don't watch Elf in this house. <laughs> this that does not happen. Even me introducing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was, you know, looked at askance. I felt. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, we really, it's really, it's really all that old. The old, old classics get rotted out every year, and so I just watch them almost without thinking. Just a kind of a knee jerk thing that I do. So yeah, we all had that. Everyone in my family, I should, I should note this. Oddly enough, we all love Christmas. Isn't that weird? Yes. <laughs> you know there was there was not a lot of reason to love you know yeah. a lot of what went on don't want to get too confessional but you know very as, as you said fraught um but nevertheless we all especially the tree i we still worship the tree um oh yeah that's that's I mean, just cool, that's things. a nice tradition we liked the movies we liked the tree we like there's just a couple of things about christmas that we all for whatever reason love and we don't we don't even talk about it we don't we don't discuss Okay. I love my family. So I I think it's again it's that it's that Irish this is too emotional so we will never speak. <laughs> of course yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. No, don't touch that. Let that fester Let for that decades fester forever. And then come what? out sideways in a way no one understands. That's exactly. So yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So much work for therapists to do. Ooh, if, so, yeah. much, so, so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> not that I gotta say, like on the other hand, I it's not like um constant hemorrhaging of melodrama mm. is any better. <laughs> well, that's true. You you really are caught between two extreme traditions, I guess. <laughs> Truly. Who who are always attracted? I'm just like, what's wrong with you people? Like yeah. <laughs> what well. a what a mixture of insanity but yeah. anyway um, but you can see you know, one you know my father who was the most silent man like he was at his memorial which turned out to be amazing it turned out he knew everyone in town but anyway everyone <laughs> showed up and and they were all very fond of him but they all said to a person i'd ask people who'd known him when he was a kid and they'd say what was he like and they'd say quiet he hardly spoke but he all but my mother never stopped talking so he always sought up for friends. Oh. Anyway, someone who'd make up for the fact that he didn't converse. So it kind of makes sense. That makes total sense, actually. <laughs> total sense. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually, wow. Yeah. I feel like, I'm feeling like so vulnerable about all those confessions. Also, I feel really bad about my great grandmother's anti-Semitism. I'm really <laughs> sorry. Like, what a time to share oh, that story. Fucking know. Kanye and everything that's going down. Like, listeners, I love you. And I'm, I've, so sorry for the sins of the past it's yeah. ugly out there it We've was ugly all got those relatives i think yeah everyone you know when we were really active in dsa we everyone would talk about like holidays are coming how are you gonna yeah. handle when uncle joe says bleh you know the truth <laughs> yeah it's it's it, widespread <laughs> it is it really is and it's so yeah i don't know it's so weird though like the flavors of mm. racism that yeah. come down like i i don't even understand sometimes yeah. <laughs> like where did where did you even encounter people i mean it, with italians well, and jewish people it makes sense bizarre. but yeah my yeah. mother hated i and i apologize in advance my mother was a very lovely person she had no prejudices that i know of except this one and that yeah. literally the phrase is pine avenue italians <laughs> Apparently, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Avenue in Buffalo or Niagara Falls, rather. Yes, 
there was it's Italians, you know, lived like working Florida. class ones, or what does that mean, Pine Avenue? I don't know how? Yeah, it was it was a shopping, you know, area. Um, it was a major thoroughfare, and those I, dagos. At you some got- point, she got decided they were terrible people, and so you could never go there. We're not going there because the, 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 that's where those Pine Avenue. <laughs> So that is localized. That's all I got. That's hyper local. One street. (laughs) That is so fucking funny. (laughs) And yeah, mind you, none of the other prejudices. I don't know how that happened. They were real country people. My my grandmother was literally an Appalachian woman from the southern tier of New York State. Yeah. She came from a town called Sawmill Run. It wasn't even a town. It was a crossroad. So they came out of nowhere and they were just amazingly free. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, other than my mother's pine <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know how to account for Angie's anti-Semitism either, because I don't know anyone else in the family who has a. I mean, really, like the family's very close with Jewish people because they mm. everyone shared like the same tenements, you know, back in yeah. the day. Like it, Italians and Jewish people were all like mixed together. And yeah. anyway, I used um, to try to get my mother to tell me, and she couldn't. I don't think she could remember the source. I really don't think she never. I never found out what That's had been done. So it's probably the same with Anne. She doesn't even. She didn't even remember. Anne doesn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> if there wasn't, she, she made it up just to have something to say just when entertainers say. came on TV or my dad came to dinner. I don't know. Your dad. <laughs> my father, Christopher, Christopher McElroy. McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we've done Christmas right here. I really think this was I the way. I feel great now. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> racism at the kitchen table exactly. um, we dealt with uh, all the tough issues here <laughs> yeah we did we did <laughs> oh man so we're gonna end it guys we're ending it we're ending it. that's <laughs> it we can't top it that yeah. is it for our episode that we are calling holiday movie meltdown thank you to our darling listeners we love you and of course triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in kleenex and spiked eggnog we really need that this time of year if you're not a subscriber yet but you like what you hear please consider signing up for patreon for all the films like content instead of just half that's publicly available you can follow news of the podcast on facebook instagram and twitter join us in two is it two weeks it is, or is it one yeah, week? yeah so we, on, two. two weeks for our more film suck fabulousness which again we've already told you we're going to be talking about the movie babylon and until then you guys merry christmas happy new year happy holidays of all kinds happy holiday yeah. is this gonna come out during hanukkah oh Do we know? that's the 19th is that right it might okay. it might happy hanukkah. all right Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Until next bye. time. Bye. <laughs>